This week's Major Spoilers podcast goes out to faithful spoilerite Antonio Sanciolo. And I think that I pronounced his name correctly, so I'm excused from being funny this week. In any case, we appreciate all our spoilerites, and this one goes out to Antonio. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, thrill at the thought of a whole new doctor, marvel at the madness that is the pole of the week, cower in terror as Steven can rebuild him, collide with your own temporal duplicate as you realize you are the future people. Our chief weapon is fear, fear and surprise. Fear, surprise, ruthless efficiency, a fanatical devotion to the Robin Overlord, and a nice red critical hit t-shirts. Damn! That's coming again. Cardinal Biggles, read the charges! But wait, there are no charges. It's free content from the bottomless wells that are our creative souls. So sit back, relax, and hear about how our lives got flipped, turned upside down, and we'd like to take a minute to just sit right there and tell you how the Major Spoilers podcast is now on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to another issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could be with us this week. Hello. Later in the show, murder. Murder. Climb up on the murder train. But first, the news. Dark Side gets a whole, whole new look thanks to Jim Lee. Doctor Who movie on the way. G.I. Joe gets a scratch off co- cover. And The Rifleman is headed back to television. Rifleman or Rifleman? Rifleman. <laughs> I'm a man. So we don't like there when the rifles come over because they steal all the... Never Bill mind. Rifleman. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Rifleman. You know, he lives down the street on the corner <laughs> next to the Spidermans. <laughs> Peter and Mary Jane Spider-Man. Uh, let's just get to Doctor Who movie on the way. <laughs> so here's some breaking news. Breaking news that came across. Well, not right now. It wouldn't be breaking because it's breaking a couple of days news. old by now, depending on when you're listening. Hello, future people. But, you may have seen now there's been a lot of talk back and forth about, you know, what's happening next with Doctor Who? Is there mm. going to be a new season? Is there not going to be a new season? Are they just going to go to specials, or what are they going to do? Well, Variety reported that the Harry Potter director, David Yates, mm. has been tapped by the BBC to bring Doctor Who to the big screen. They're currently finding writers, although I think that they would do a great job with uh, Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. Those two would be great, but... Steven, Steven Schleicher. Well, yes, that Matthew would be also Peterson. as well. But according to Yates, the movie will not follow the current TV series, but will be a completely fresh approach to the material. <sighs> Rodrigo, go! Um, Wrong! Matthew! <laughs> the aliens are here. <laughs> They've been here since 1994. <laughs> Wrong! You've had nice cereal (laughs) with bananas. Um, Wrong! (laughs) (laughs) That, by the way, is a reference to a reference to a PBS show. (laughs) Donate today. Donate today. Um, $20 is not a lot. No, it's... it's, You know what else is not a lot? $700. Not not to us. Um... All right, so the the only issue that I have oh, Tony, with this Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> is the specific property. Okay, like I would 
obviously I'm okay with um them taking the you know the Spider-Man from the comic books and making it a movie and it being a different thing. Clearly the Sam Raimi movie and this new movie that's right. coming out soon don't follow the 90s Spider-Man TV series, right? Which I was so mm-hmm. way the crap into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't upset me. But Doctor Who, it's specifically written in such a way that all the ridiculous iterations actually go together. Right. So when you take that property and you take it out, it's basically kind of weirdly just kind of crapping on what is probably the best premise on television, period, to, to keep a character going. Mm-hmm. So it just to me it seems like kind of a waste, especially because there have been Doctor Who movie type things. Well, actually, two movies starring right. Peter Cushing as are, Doctor Who, who just happened are, to be his last name was Who, right? That are in canon Ooh. about as much as anything else is in canon, right? Uh, the Doctor there Who movies no with canon. Cushing are not considered canon. Oh, it's not. No. There is no canon. Doctor Who does not have a canon. He the has Doctor a sonic production. screwdriver. Next. The production team has never, ever said anything was canon. Now, it's hard to justify it. And I believe that the fan approval rating states that they are not in canon. But no one has ever said these are and these aren't. So, Matthew, what do you think of this whole new Doctor Who movie news? I think that, A, I am very impressed at the loyalty and tenacity of the fans of Doctor Who. Especially some of the new fans, you know, the people who've been around since 2005 who are like, hey, this is really awesome. I'm going to go back and delve into 35 years of history and right. see what's up with Inspector Spacetime and Reggie. Right. That kind of loyalty I like. But I hate the cynicism involved because what if this is the next big thing? What if this is what really lifts it to being a full-time Star Trek cultural icon where it's not just, you know, a 100,000 people? Who know what's going on or you know you don't have to necessarily be somebody who's heavily into the culture you know the sci-fi nerd culture to love it or and i think that's also what people are upset about is that doctor who is one of the few things that really is kind of cult classic anymore there are very few things left that are allowed to be like that that cultish right, show right. and that are still quality you know, that they're still uniformly exactly. regarded as quality and that are still in play. I mean, there are a lot of things right. that are designed to appeal to that cult thing, but there are very few actual original and even taking into account, a, you know, an 18 year gap in production that are actually original stuff that's been around for that long. I mean, this is a very sixties mentality. And then on the third hand, because I do have three, I'm bothered by the cavalier attitude of everything you love will still be there, except we're going to change everything. Well, and I know, just have this I have this I, terrifying suspicion that we're going to get, you know, well, let's look at it this way. What is the closest thing to Doctor Who that American movie producers have ever put together? Rodrigo, it's one of your favorite movies. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies. Oh, is it Bill and Ted? Yeah. Bill and Ted is the closest thing that America has come on on that that level of we are taking the tropes and the toys and mm-hmm. the the various whatchamaziggers. And we're going to put them together and we're going to do something new. So I don't hate Bill and Ted, but I'll bet you even money that we're not going to be seeing new episodes of Bill and Ted 30 years down the line. So 
We'll see. Well, you know, I'm interested in the phrase of completely fresh approach to the material, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because you can interpret that so many different ways. I mean, what if this were what happened before the doctor came to Earth and was stranded in 1960 with his granddaughter? Well, what if we're looking at the doctor then? I, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I think what this or means what if it's is, the hundred years in between the doctor? I don't, I, I don't think it's any of it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be any of these things. It could, it's gonna be, it's could gonna be, be just be. like the movie version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A completely think, different take exactly. on the material. I think they're going to take that handsome, handsome man that's about to play Superman. And they're gonna, Deville. yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna put him in a suit, and he's going to say, "I am the Doctor," and oh no, what are these tin can monsters? I will call them the Daleks, and I have met them for the first time. Pew 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 pew. pew. That's what the movie's gonna be. Uh, well, the good thing is we're probably not gonna see this movie until 2015. <gasps> the world will be over by then. Yes, I know, right? The Mayans predicted it. Yep. Um, let's Frickin see. Mayans. Trying to see if there's any other news, but I think two, 2015 is is the date. But, you know, the guy who, uh, who's who been doing the Harry Potter movies kind of knows what he's doing in terms of a film goes. Mm-hmm. But again, he's just of, the director. Of, right, just in terms making of directing. a film, creating a film, but I'm, I doubt that he's going to have a whole lot of input into what this is. Yeah. There's probably going to be 27 different writers and Babalu Mandel putting together, you know, whatever it becomes. And it may be something where we end up with, you know, Billy Crystal as the doctor. Be kind of trying awesome. to appeal to something more American. Time War movie says Scott in the in the comments section. Yeah, good luck with that. No, that <laughs> that requires that honestly. Context. If they're talking about a new approach, they're not going to take something that's pretty much. And forgive me because I would love to see a Time War movie. Pretty much fandom disappearing up its own ass. That mm-hmm. that would not be honestly a realistic expectation quentin says i was excited i was excited until i got to the reboot part i don't understand why you wouldn't just make a really good matt smith movie well or a really good new guy movie you know it 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 is the reboot issue that's that that i think is sticking in people's craws because you know if you look at doctor who before for a while it really wasn't a regular series right it was just basically specials like they would get a guy and there would be like a three part series um in which he did a thing and then it would go off the air for a while right uh, or was it I don't know was I think continuous? for a while it was a continuous thing right it was for a while, from it was 63 continuous. to 1989 or so it was continuous and then they kind of disappeared for a while and then the movie was in 96 and then there were a lot of, you know, books and yeah, audio plays and things. But okay. the Eighth Doctor appeared exactly once. Right. And then had tons and tons and tons of, you know, he's actually, he actually has the longest tenure of any of the doctors if you take it into play because he was the doctor for almost, what, nine, ten years? Right. But there's also, you know, I, I think the problem is a reboot as we know it is kind of counter to the whole point of Doctor Who. Exactly. Because Doctor it's, Who is is reboot proof. Right. It's well, throwing away mean, the it's throwing they, away the greatest part of Doctor Who. Maybe they mean he's gonna have really high collars and wear like a body armor. Maybe that's what they mean by a reboot. Mm. I bet that's what it means. That's a completely fresh approach to the material. He's gonna they're gonna five minutes into the movie they're gonna chop his head off and put it in a cyborg. There he, you he go. He dies from smelling poison gas, chop off his head, put it on a cyborg, rest of the movie is him fighting a clone. There you go. 
Excellent. All he Listeners, has to do is eat the celery. I mean, come on. Listeners, you can weigh in on the Doctor Who movie by following the link there in the show notes or heading over to Majorspoilers.com and doing a search for Doctor Who. Bump. Hey, Doctor hey. Who, Doctor Who. Stop it. The Daleks. Is that, the, is that the Batman, the animated series? No, uh, that is the Doctor Who, <laughs> Doctor and the TARDIS uh, song. Uh, Have you ever heard of that? Get on the internet and look up Doctor and the TARDIS. Nine. Um, let's see. How old were you in? 87? All right. You can also no, head over to Majorspoilers.com slash store. Actually, Check out the Critical in, Hit t-shirt. In 87, I was four. There you go. The Critical Hit t-shirt is now on sale. People have been asking for that. Also, this Friday on the Major Spoilers website, we will get to see what happens after Rodrigo kicked the big question mark. Spoiled <laughs> arrives <laughs> on Friday. And Why when we come back, we will see if you can rebuild him better, That's stronger, faster. <laughs> How to get a major spoiler shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the make a donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, Sit back and relax, and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Oh, such awesome. There are other songs. 1988. Which one is that? 3 a.m. I think I have that album somewhere. Not not Uh, an album, but as a cassette tape. A cassette tape. I used to. to, No, no, no. it, It was the whole album. Uh, but I remember mowing, riding the riding lawnmower all summer long and just listening to that on the Walkman. Mm. Flipping it over and listening to it again. Flipping it over and listening to it again. No, the, the Walkmans are the ones from across the street. <laughs> the Walkmans. Down the street from the Riflemans. Yeah. And the Next Spidermans. The Spidermans. That's right. Hey, everyone. The welcome Walkmans back. have that annoying kid. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. And thank you for everyone oh, who's crap, donated. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> we're live on tape not yeah, on tape actually yeah neither of those things are true man <laughs> remember the days true. when you actually used we're to record on tape in digital anyway let's get to some reviews wait son of a reviews hey hey it's reviews reviews Batwoman. Hey, hey, the TARDIS. Matthew, Batwoman number Sipples. three came out last week. Sure did. What goes on in the pages of Batwoman? Well, I tell you, there's this girl, see, and she's a bat and also a woman. And together they are Batwoman. <laughs> Nine out of three stars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking myself up here. Batwoman maintains its status as probably the best book you're not reading. Actually, probably the best book you're not reading is I, Vampire. Batwoman is the best book that you're reading and going, wait, this doesn't have enough Batman in it. Um, Kathy Kane, Kate Kane, forgive me, <clears throat> the new Batwoman, continues her strange quest to figure out what's going on with a urban legend type creature called La Llorona, I believe it is who is sort of a ghost who also drowns people. Now, something that they made work in previous issues was the fact that Batwoman's first villain, 
Alice was actually her evil twin. And the death of her evil twin was a big part of the Detective Comics Batwoman series. So somehow La Llorona is able to tie into people's memories and and whatever is going on with her mind. So, of course, we see Batwoman's own evil twin trying to drown her early in the issue. And once again, oh, my God, how pretty is this book? How pretty is it? Holy crap. Dumb Dora is so dumb. How I'm dumb is you, she? Is oh. Just beautiful. The layouts are still unusual. And uh, I believe it's J.H. Williams. Yep. Is that not right? Uh, yeah. Da, 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 yep. The third. Yeah. It just uh, amazing work throughout. He does the unusual lineups. There's one one point where Batwoman is climbing up out of the surf after nearly being drowned. And there's kind of a lightning bolt motif. So there's one big panel and then a lightning bolt cutting through. And all of the other panels are part of the 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 breakdown of that lightning bolt. It's amazing. So there's also some stuff where in Batwoman's real life girlfriend, uh, Maggie Sawyer, formerly of the Metropolis Crime Unit, is trying to bring her in, which I think is actually kind of neat, because usually you know Batwoman or Batman has the the whole Silver Saint Cloud thing, where she's like, could it really be Bruce? So I like the bit where her girlfriend is trying to take her down. And I like the relationship between Batwoman and the former Flamebird, who's actually her new sidekick, her sort of her Robin. They actually have a blow up in this issue that's particularly huge. And it's ugly. And of course, as we as we finish up the issue, Flamebird has gone out to be Flamebird again. So she is broken up with Batwoman, sort of, I guess, kind of. For me, the the real seller of this book is even if even if you don't like the story, and I do like the story and I've enjoyed it, you know, from day one, this is just an amazing, amazing book. It's incredible to look at. And if you, you know, if you go into the with a problem of how am I going to deal with this character, or how am I going to deal with whatever is going on in her life or her orientation or whatever? You're really doing yourself a disservice because to me, this is kind of like the argument that everyone makes that Batman is human and that makes him a better hero. To which I always argue, well, no, he's, he's not really human. He's yeah, everybody knows that Batman is the knight. He even tells Batman you is all the time. Super, he has superhuman endurance, superhuman intelligence, well, he has hello, superhuman uh, resources. He has Batman. a just call him exactly. you know that I'm Bat- woman, on <laughs> the other hand, Goodbye. is a totally screwed up character who alienates her friends, who alienates her family, who alienates her girlfriend, who treats people poorly because she doesn't know how to deal with the things that are going on in her life. And it's really a fascinating read. This is a five slice of meatloaf book. Very good. You should be reading it. I should be reading not, it. I should be reading a lot of things. But as Rodrigo can attest, there is a stack of stuff here. I know, there's like six I must Batman read pile. Which you, you read day in, day not out. Actually, I'm sucks. not, actually. What did I read this <gasps> week? This week I read The Goon. I read Atomic Robo. I read save a couple of things from it's Dynamite. Um, what else did I read? I have not, to be honest, and I've said this before, lately superhero books just have not done it for me in the last couple of years. So I'm just shying away from those left and right, and even with the reboot. Um, me getting to some of these relaunch. books that look it's great. A it's a relaunch. <laughs> Actually, I've been uh, reading this Jack Avarice is the Courier. Exploded. 
If you want to know what uh, J. Scott Campbell is up to, you should pick up Jack Avarice is the Courier. Published weekly all this month from IDW Publishing. J. So Scott Campbell? The character this guy, that... this guy art in this book, and this is kind of a mini review, this Chris Madden, his art looks exactly like Campbell's work from Danger Girl. And the guy oh, on his website, his website, he goes on and on and on about how big of an influence Campbell was on him. So it's like a couple of people even said, what if this is J. Scott Campbell He's doing this under a different name? So it's it's pretty incredible. Well, but it's actually it's just called Jack Avarice is the courier. So while Rodrigo is looking that over, I will regale you with the tale of a brand new Bionic Man number four. <laughs> You're a jackass. Based on the screenplay by Kevin Smith, written by Kevin Smith and Phil Hester, art by Jonathan Lau, cover by Alex Ross. Now, for three issues, Matthew, I know many people have been reading my review of Bionic Man over at uh, the Major Spoilers website. For three issues yes. now, we have seen Steve Rogers in his day life. Not Steve Austin. Rogers. Steve Austin in his day life. We have yeah. seen him Stop crash. mud holes in people. We've seen him crash, and we've seen him spend two issues in the hospital coming to grips with the fact that he has one arm and two legs, or no legs and a missing arm, and he only has one good working arm, one good working eye, and he's depressed, and his good friend, uh, Oscar the Grouch, is trying to convince him to get into some robotics program. Well, guess what happens this issue? You know, he lives down by the Spidermans. Yes. You know what happens Uh, this issue? Steve Austin... A man barely alive. And you know Kevin Smith really likes uh, the Bionic Man as a property. You can tell this was something that influenced his life. Mm -hmm. Because we spend the moment that uh, Steve Austin says, yes, go ahead and do it. And we do get to see the Bionic Dog in this (laughs) issue as well. I'll tell you about that in just a moment, Matthew. We spend a majority of the issue going through the entire opening sequence, the entire monologue by Oscar Gold, where he goes through step by step and tells you, gentlemen, we can, we can rebuild him today. I mean, he goes through it and you can just for people technology. that remember that TV series, we remember have that the intro to build the world's first bionic we, man. There's chills that go up and down my skin as I read that. It is so awesome when we get to that part. Now, there are some things that are changed in this. Number one, Kevin Smith does point out that it would have been impossible for um, the $6 million man to have done all the things he did with just slapping some bionic parts on him. Right. So they go in and they say that they reinforce his skeletal system with a uh, liquid alloy steel, essentially. Not adamantium, but something that can support the bionics uh, of his body. <laughs> it's not adamantium, but it's the Mexican onion. <laughs> yes, exactly. They also say because of the weight distribution with the bionic arm on one side, they have to cut off his good arm. So he's got two legs that are bionic. His arms are bionic. Both eyes are bionic so that they can maintain the binocular vision uh, for the human. Um, I don't know if they did anything with super hearing. I don't remember reading that in there. Um, He didn't have super hearing. Jamie had super hearing. Oh, okay. Uh, The other thing is each of the bionic parts are powered by small nuclear reactors, really tiny nuclear reactors, uh, so that his, his mind controls the bionics, but there's no feedback to his brain, so he doesn't get worn out. And there's a whole sequence where he's running, where they're testing out his bionics after he gets them done, and he's topping out at like 50 miles an hour or something like that, and they were like, well, we only thought this could be 25, and his heartbeat just 
maintains a regular rhythm because his body isn't doing anything to exert itself. It's the 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 bionics. It's the nuclear reactors and the bionics that are doing this. And at one point, which I thought was super cool, they're monitoring Austin uh, via uh, an open mic, and he's got an earpiece on so that he can hear what's going on back at uh, at control. And I don't know if it's Oscar or his doctor are going, what's that na 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 sound? Do you hear that? What's that na 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 sound? And they're like, everybody's like, I don't know. That's really weird. I wonder if it's some kind of interference caused by the bionics moving quickly. And so Kevin Smith is able to tie that into mm-hmm. a comic book. And, you know, it's just it's not a cheesy part. It's actually a phenomena that occurs in uh, because of these parts. And I thought that was really cool. The other thing that's kind of different in this is that um, they do something with um, Austin's face that allows him to basically his skin becomes malleable where he can go in and change it to look like anybody else. And um, they implant like these pigments inside of his skin that can release to change the color of his skin if he needs to. So that'll be kind of interesting. That's an interesting twist on the bionic man. And so after the surgery, he looks nothing like the Steve Austin that we've known before. And he seems to be okay with it. You know, he's, he's really accepting of this, especially when in the very last pages, Oscar comes to him and says, I work for OSI. We are the ones that are doing all the things that no other agency can do. And we're here to protect and make sure all the agencies are doing it. And Austin says, when's my first mission? And so that's, that's how that issue ends. That whole thing is interesting though, because do you remember that show? Was it like, there were two shows, and they were very, like one of them was just like a romantic drama. It was like once and again, and then the other one was like now and again or now something and like again, that. yeah. Um, but one of them was basically the Bionic Man, mm. and he or the Six Million Dollar Man, except everything was organic. Oh yeah, yeah. So they yeah. basically John take Goodman John Goodman's died. brain <laughs> and put it, yeah, and put it in a sexy new body. Um, but he's basically superhuman because the, this body has been grown. So it's interesting, you know, that whole thing from, uh, of his face not looking like he used to, which was kind of the central premise of the show. The thing that you have to also look at is that the $6 million man TV show was adapted from From a a novel called Cyborg, which actually had some of the things you described in it, like the reinforcement of his spine Mm -hmm. and his skeletal structure. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, because this is not called the Six Million Dollar Man, well, is it is it an adaptation of no. the television show, or is it an adaptation it, of Cyborg? It's, it's both, and, and Smith, I think, has said that it's a kind of a an adaptation of both, but they can't call it the Six Million Dollar Man because it's, number one, it's too long, mm-hmm. and number two, they make a joke, I think, in like the first or second issue where... Six million dollars barely covers the eye that they put into him. Just the cost of inflation and doing this today. So it's well beyond six million. Uh, So that's why they don't call it the six million dollar man. But it's it is certainly you can feel Smith's love for that series uh, and that character. Six billion dollar man. They could do that too. Then people would be going like, "Did you have Did you have the Steve Austin doll when you were a kid?" No, one of my classmates did though, and he brought it to school one day, and it was cool because you could look through the back of his head. And see, you look through his eye and roll up the skin on his arm, and you can see the bionics yep. modules. Yeah, yep. I had that toy, man. It was awesome. Nope, I did not have that. And then he also had the Oscar. Was it? What was the evil Oscar? Wasn't that the one that was a robot? Because the face would come off, and it was like a robot underneath. 
Oh, uh, Manny Faces. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know. It was it was another was in that huge Mastron. man of a thousand faces. I don't know. It was, it was pretty Mastron. wild. The art is really Mastron. good. Mastron. Yeah. Jonathan Lau has done, or uh, yeah, he's done a lot of the art at uh, Dynamite for a while. The art is really good in this book. I like it a lot. And uh, is there any Bigfoot? If they yes, there is a big <laughs> when they show um, Austin after the surgery and he's standing there, he's got some giant feet. He's got some giant feet. Um, I'm glad that they finally got to this point at issue four. Now, I don't know if this is a 12-issue series or what, but if they had gone another issue of Steve Austin moping around, trying to be convinced to go Bionics, I would have dropped the series right then. This is a perfect point to do this. It's a great read. It felt longer than... It's 32 pages. It's a lot of book for $3.99. So I applaud Dynamite for doing that. And I'm giving this book four and a half slices of meatloaf, four and a half slices of bionics ah, uh, for the Bionic Man number four painful. out this week from Dynamite Entertainment. That's eh, maybe. Don't know. Rodrigo, over to you. You've also got a book from Dynamite Entertainment this week. Correct. And we're going to get all these hate mails coming in saying, you don't cover enough Marvel on your show. Well, You're right. We're not. I don't even think we're going to talk any Marvel this week. Whoa. To which we will respond. Never mind. I should curse because it's just not nice. Um, yes. So I reviewed Captain Victory and his howling commandos. <laughs> no. No, no, um, no. Captain Victory and the Falcon. Yes. Also no. Um, so this is uh, uh, a a spinoff book from the Kirby Genesis series, which I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of, uh, or I was aware of the series, but I wasn't aware of that the, the status of this book um, until I looked at the preview copy that they sent us, because I was right. like, oh, that's a number one, I'll read yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, Kirby Genesis, I'm not reading this book, oh well, I'll read it anyway. I don't know what's going on in Kirby Genesis, but it doesn't matter, because this was actually plenty of fun. It's like... Basically, the guy is like, oh, no, I am waking up. And he's like, oh, what happened? And like, dude, they totally killed you. He's like, ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Let me get back in there. All right, put on your Captain Victory suit. And Captain Victory over. And then his lion is like, dude, you're back. It's like, I know. The guy killed me. Give me a gun, dude. So they start fighting, right? And it's totally great. It's really weird. Um, there's this thing called the Black Mass. No, his, like, his grandpa's the Black Mass. And he's like, take over the universe. And he's like making people be zombies for him. Oh, um, okay. So he's like, no, I will fight you. So then you get flashbacks about how he was trained and how his grandpa was like, I'm the Black Mass. You're going to be cool. Here's my lieutenant to train you. And then in this one is like a clash between him and his mentor, the weird helmet guy. And then... He grabs a nuclear bomb and blows up the planet, or a nova bomb, and blows up the planet. And, and then he wakes up, the up because it, and the he's planet, okay. The planet is lost. Mm. It is too many people are being zombies for the black mass, so there's nothing he can do. Um, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's like there's like a level at which you're lost. Yeah, you might be lost, you know, because of all these concepts. But they're all pretty straightforward if you don't really need to get into the specifics. And because this 
book has a fair amount of flashbacks. And I suspect that the point of this is that uh, Captain Victory must be one of the characters in Kirby Genesis. Mm -hmm. And then this book is focusing a little bit more on his backstory. Um, because there's plenty of backstory here. You get to learn yeah. about who he is and what he's doing and why he has a, a an awesome lion friend. Um, and then the uh, issue ends, and it's pretty great. Awesome. So, Matthew, how is Captain Victory related to uh, the New Gods? Captain Victory... It's not related to the new gods because they're owned by DC. <laughs> but <clears throat> Kirby Genesis basically takes a whole bunch of Jack Kirby owned and created concepts and puts them together in this story, which basically has something just kind of burst open on Earth. And it's kind of like Project Superpowers in a way. Only everybody was created by Jack Kirby. Yeah. Which is great because all the guys have really elaborate costumes and the women have, you know, a balcony you could do Shakespeare off. So you can't hate that for trying. This is interesting as we look at Captain Victory, mm -hmm. according to the wiki. One of Pacific Comics' first titles that lasted 13 issues plus a special through January 1984. In the last issue of the Pacific series, Kirby crafted an origin story for Captain Victory, which he tied into the New Gods comic book that he had written and drawn for DC in the 70s. It was suggested that Captain Victory was the son of Orion of the New Gods. Orion was not specifically named, but a number of clues were planted, including equipment said to belong to Captain Victory's father that was identified to the Astro Harness written by Orion in the earlier series. That's kind of so cool. So there you go. Uh, Things that I know. Yeah, and let's see. Uh, in addition to something, something uh, Black Mass or Black Moss was illustrated only as a cast shadow, but a shadow that to many readers bore resemblance to Orion's father, Darkseid. Mm, and, Dark and his name is, is Black Mass? Black Moss, M-A-A-S. Mass, I think. Yeah, Mass, Black Mass. And, you know, Darkseid is kind of a big... Mass of a man. Right. Yeah, if it was pronounced mas, it would actually be negro mas. There you go. So, a yeah. little bit of history. So, Rodrigo, well, how many slices of the old major spoilers meatloaf are you slicing off this week? I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. Three slices of meatloaf um, for Kirby Definitely Genesis. above average. Good art. Interesting story. Pretty crazy. Yep. And, and fairly easy to jump into. They pretty much tell you everything you need to know. It does have a very Kirby-esque feel in the art. Yeah. I mean, the it's clear that the designs are Kirby-esque, but mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's it's not somebody trying to like spoof yeah, Kirby or, or yeah. Yeah, mock Kirby mm -hmm. or anything like that. I mean, people's fingers are round. Excellent. Well, listeners, you can uh, check out a whole bunch of reviews, including a review of, I don't know, Demon Knights number three. Or the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes crossover series from IDW. Ooh. Or you can maybe even look up uh, Journey into Mystery number 631. All over at Majorspoilers.com. Many, many more in the coming days. All right, Rodrigo. Well, our reviews are over. You know what that means. Now, what does it mean? It means it's time for the Major Spoilers. It's time! Every week with this guy. Every week with <laughs> Every this week, guy. this is why we can't have nice things. We go visit the Spider-Mans. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mrs. Spider-Man's house smells like soup. And there's nothing more annoying than soup whiff. <laughs> 
Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the major it's spoilers. <sighs> Gonna send you over to uh, Joe Rifleman's house this week, Matthew. <laughs> Let him teach you a thing or two. Joe it's time for the poll of the week. Man. <laughs> Joe Rifleman. Listen to this, boy. This is the water edition of Poll of the Week. Yeah, that was clearly Coors. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish. Been too sick lately to drink alcohol. Water, water. This is sent in by one of our listeners, one of our many, many fine listeners, who is, I guess, enamored by still Rodrigo's Popeye's Chicken versus Church's Chicken. Mm-hmm. Water, tapped or bottled? Rodrigo? Um, usually bottled primarily because where I live, uh, if you pour yourself a glass of water and then you go like, set it down for like five minutes and come back. Like if you, if you pour yourself a glass of water and then make yourself a sandwich, when you get back to the glass of water, it'll just be like, (laughs) uh, minerals, like (laughs) a glowing array of geode like minerals just lining the whole glass. Yeah. Hard water yeah, there in the yes. old uh, wrestle. Well, and there's also a lot of petroleum and petroleum byproducts in the in the table. Especially so. what, what's that? Uh, what's that thing that they do where they go in a slant or whatever? It's flushing, or I don't know what it's called, but it's a big controversial thing right now where they're going in and in, injecting all these chemicals in to get the gas out, and then those chemicals are seeping into the water table. Yeah, into the yeah. Have you done yeah. one of those on your your farm show that you do? No, although well, we did do a show on water. But it was largely on, you know, very basic, you know, what's an aquifer? Ah. And, you know, H-2-O. where do people Yeah, where do people get their water in Kansas? Well, if you're in eastern Kansas, you get it from oh God, please stop. And if you're in western <laughs> Kansas, you don't get it. Growing up for me, we drank pure, abundant well water. Hmm. Drilled a well, we lived in the country. That's you know, the the town that I grew up, Pomona, Kansas. That's the I sign. The you know, when you come in, you come into town, you know, they've got the sign, the, the Kiwanis Club and the Lions mm. Club. Welcome you to Pomona. Abundance of pure well water. Nice. A pure, yeah, pure well yeah, water. So I grew up drinking well that. well water because you grow well. Yep. I'm going to tell a story. But, uh, you know, now, I'll let you tell your story in a moment. Um, for a long time, I used to, to drink from the tap, but... I don't know. When I came out here to Hayes, the water just tastes so funny from the tap here. Oh, yeah, I know. And then, of course, when you move into the big city, and sometimes you're worried about pollutants in the water. So I kind of switched to bottled water. And mm-hmm. here now we've got a filtration system. And a lot of people were like, well, why didn't you put filtration in? Because that's not what the reader asked. You want to know if we drank from the tap or drank from the water? The hard water here is really bad. So we did put a filtration system in. And so I'll mix it half and half. And then when you take the filters out, it's like a cinder block. It is. It really is. So for me, uh, bottled water is what uh, is what I drink mostly. But if I have to drink from the tap, it's through the filtered system, through our reverse osmosis, whatchamahookie, and it's uh, flavored with lots of tea. Matthew, what about you? You've got a story to tell. I do have a story to tell, and I'm going to have to tell it in this voice here because it's really the only appropriate voice. For the story I'm about to tell. My mother's third husband was a man named Weldon. That's not a joke. The funny part's still coming. And he cut down trees for a living. And one of the things that he would do in his spare time was walk around with a pair of pliers to divine where the water table was. 
And I saw this man walk through fields and just walk everywhere. He was walking with a pair of pliers, waiting for the pliers to dip so that he would have that magical, that, that magical mystery thing. He claimed it was magnetics or some such that would allow him to tell where the water was. And I poo-pooed this until about the third time he sunk an actual workable well based on what he and his pliers had found. And I grew up in an area where you'd sink these wells and much like the stuff that Rodrigo talks about, you would actually have discoloration. And yeah. when I was a kid, you would actually have, if you had a natural well, you would actually have petroleum in your water. Yep. You would sometimes you'd get a really strong whiff of petroleum. So I grew up drinking water that tasted like, well, petroleum. And I lived in an area where the pipes were really bad and it tasted like rust. So every morning I get up and I drive to the grocery store and I get my breakfast, which is usually something incredibly unhealthy. They don't make chocolate uh, honey buns anymore. I'm heartbroken about that. But I will get myself a can of Monster Rehab, preferably the 20-ounce can, and a bottle of Evian water. And I'll take it with me and that'll be my, my water for the day. So I went with bottled water, although I was bothered by the fact that you said bottled only. Mm -hmm. Because I do have really great water in the faucets in my house for some reason. Most of the water in the city tastes funny, but the water from the faucets in my house, which oddly enough used to be on the military base, which you know makes me think that maybe the pipes are different or some such. They the water in my probably, house yeah. is great. There is but a, I, uh, I drink bottled water most of the time. Yeah. Um, the, the concept that I'm thinking of is called fracking. That is the oil well term. And there's a, uh, movie called Gasland by Josh Fox that is out where he's just looking into what is fracking and what does it do to the aquifer, et cetera. And in one of the trailers, and we've done this before. I mean, when Matthew and I were students, I mean, we didn't do it, but we've seen it demonstrated where you could get water out of the tap, pour it into your gas tank of your two cylinder, uh, lawnmower mm -hmm. start the lawnmower up yeah. and it would burn that. it would burn poorly yeah, but wow. it would burn yeah but hey i mean that's because the stuff that was in the water when we were when we were out there i don't know if it's still there anymore because they say they've tapped a lot of those wells wasn't actually oil or natural gas it was like this hyper saturated pseudo liquid thing burn like what, hell but yeah it was awesome but apparently in the trailer <laughs> for gasland they actually show them turning on a faucet in the sink and then lighting the whole thing on fire mm -hmm. just from yep. the... And uh, you can do it. Buh, buh, buh. True fact. One time when I when I lived in, in, in Beloit, it was it is true. I didn't make this up. The entire Lake Wakanda burned to the ground. <laughs> 184 <laughs> votes in right now on how you consume your drinking water. Faithful spoiler rights. 74% say from the tap. I think that the reason that Bottled is getting hosed is because of that terrible picture, but also <laughs> because it says Bottled only, because I almost chose from the tap because I don't drink Bottled only. And I'm lucky in that um, the big bottle of Evian, I don't know how much it is where you are. I see it like $2.99, $3.25. For some reason, my grocery store has it for $1.79. Really? So I can get a liter, a liter of Evian for $1.79. I'm not going to tell you where my store is, though, because then you're all going to show up and try and steal it. No, I don't think we will. All right, listeners, course, if you want to weigh in on the drinking water debate or you want to way. debate someone else on 
the merits of fracking and how that makes the water safe. I'm sure we're going to get the oil. Or if you want to walk around with a pair of pliers and look for an aquifer. Or if you just like to just drink right from the hose. I mean, that's what we do cross country when I was young. You in high get school. to drink from the and fire run, hose. And we would run out into the country like our coach would make us run like 10 miles a day. We'd just run up to somebody's house, grab the hose, turn it on, drink right out of it. So there you go. And then, and that, then, would and then that would be, yeah, that would be real motivation to keep running when the guy came out with a shotgun. <laughs> You're never going to get on my property. <laughs> and then his dog comes out and he also sounds that way. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Spider-Man is I'll tell you what. <laughs> All right, everybody. Go over the major spoilers. Vote way in. Uh, let's listen to this comment. And when we come back, we'll talk about murder. Hi, guys. This is Dante Marks from the forum. Uh, yes, this is my first time calling. And I just wanted to call in because I was listening to your, uh, you've got my, my comics in your video game. My press was the other way around. Uh, you got your video game in my comics. And... Uh, I wanted to call in about some of those steam-powered games you were talking about. In particular, you mentioned that the Team Fortress 2 comics really didn't float your boat. You thought they were the weakest of the three. And it was interesting because the comics you mentioned I've actually found before on the Team Fortress 2 website. So I don't know if those comics are exclusive to this uh, Steam Presents or if they've been produced before and if this is just a compiled version. Anyhow, the one thing I would like to plug is that Team Fortress is free to play. And more importantly, there's some extremely funny Team Fortress 2 videos that you can just uh, download and watch or stream and watch. And they basically introduce each of the various characters with a usually pretty funny monologue and some gameplay clips. Uh, the most recent one being the Medic, which is uh, one of the funnier ones so far. The Sniper also gets a good treatment. But uh, that being said, uh, yeah, Team Fortress 2... The comics may not be great just because it is more or less a first-person shooter. You show up, you shoot, that's the story. But uh, it might be worth uh, giving a try as a video game, even if the comic didn't hook you. Right. Thank you. Bye. I smell a plant, Rodrigo. Yeah. A, a, a Valve employee calling in <laughs> to tell us about the merits of whatever the shoot 'em up game is. I see. You kids and your shoot 'em up games. You kids in your stupid video games. Kids in your shoot 'em up, get 'em down, kitty cat, <laughs> razzmatazz. Let's talk about murder. Specifically, Mr. Murder. That's my favorite flavor at Baskin Robbins, the kitty cat. More specifically, the murder of Mr. Murder. Mr. Murder is dead. Mr. Murder is dead from our Mr. Murder. So, Mr. Murder. The, the way the story is kind of spelled out is kind of neat um, in that it's kind of told both kind of a, in a bunch of flashbacks to like some golden age comics, some Dick yeah, Tracy kind of yeah. stuff where uh, Gould Kane uh, is a detective and he's always bringing down Mr. Murder, mm-hmm. uh, thwarting Mr. Murder's plans. <laughs> but this uh, story then flashes to the present and the art style totally changes. And yep. we see Kane as a retiree who's just about out of his pension, who's down on his luck, lives in a little flop apartment, <laughs> and comes to find out his greatest enemy, Mr. Murder, has been killed. And some people think he did it. Mm-hmm. And being a good cop, good detective, Kane decides to go and find out what really happened. And one thing leads to another, and the next thing you know, biff, bam, boom, that's the end of the book. 
but it's that stuff between the biff, bam, and boom, yes. which I think is more fascinating. Biff, bam, boom. Fill us in a little bit more, Rodrigo. All right, yes, so Gould Kane. Of the comic. Even he's dead at the start. Yes. The spook. Mr. Murder. <laughs> Kill my wife. Yes. Throw her in the river. Kill me. Do it twice. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a, a lot of characters in this book. There's uh, Mr. Murder. There's right. Gould Kane, the spook. Um, right. There's... Um, is it Chung? Is that his? Yeah, that's last the name? Uh, yeah. Yes, the the commissioner, the commish type. Um, yep. Lydia Lynch or whatever her name is. Yeah, Lydia Lynch, the district attorney. Yeah. Her son, Billy. Yeah, Andrew, Billy the kid. Right. He's not a kid anymore. Yeah, Billy's not a kid anymore. Not necessarily. A There's Billy. basically Mr. No, Murder's old gang yeah. who are like three ge- geezers now and Billy the kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's interesting is uh, you got this big cast of characters, and it seems like Lydia Lynch is everyone's concerned that she's losing her mind, that she, the Alzheimer's is setting in, and that people might be taking advantage of her. Her son, Andrew, is the bank president of uh, Big Town and is about to retire. Um, and as Gould, uh, as Kane starts to investigate Mr. Murder's murder, he discovers this hidden tunnel system that Murder was digging for like 40 years that was digging slowly to the bank. And Kane figures out, hey, I'm almost out of money. Why not finish Murder's uh, plan to rob the bank? And so he gets Murder's old gang back together. We're getting the gang back together. And along the way, we discover that at one point, Kane was about to marry this beautiful sweetheart, and Mr. Murder killed her. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Dun, dun. Or did he? Things get really weird in this. There are like three different twists in this. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that we were just mentioning is uh, uh, as they're trying to put Mr. Murder's gang back together, they say, oh, you got to get Billy, but it's uh, Billy the kid is not a kid anymore. And Kane finds out it, Billy got a, a sex change operation. Mm-hmm. Still named Billy. But now he's a she. So that's one thing that they find out. It happens. The other thing that they take a walk on the wild side. The other thing they discover, which kind of is really in the closing chapters of this book, is once they break into the bank, they discover that there's no money in the vault. It's all been stolen. It's all it's not there. And everybody's going to want to pin wants to pin it on Kane. But he puts two and two together and figures out that the bank was already robbed before they got there Mm -hmm. and that they've been set up. And there's only one person who could have set them up this entire time. Lydia Lynch. Dun, dun, dun. Used to, used to bang uh, the old broad back in the day. In fact, she even told uh, her son Andrew <laughs> that Cain uh, <laughs> was, was her father. Cain was his father. All of a sudden, we're all going to talk like Philip Marlowe. She, yeah, used to bang the broad, broad back, in the day. back in the day, eh? Now he just rents High Noon and Lydia, watches yeah. it alone in his office. Lydia Lynch uh, has been telling Andrew that Kane's her father. Kane's his father, right? Kane, uh, but no, really, Kane's her father. Yeah, that's funnier. But really, it turns out Mr. Murder is Andrew's father. 
Yeah, even more shocking. You want another shocking twist? Okay. No, Turns out Lydia has been faking her Alzheimer's all these years to sucker people in. Mm-hmm. To go one further, Mr. Murder didn't marry Kane's fiance. Did murder her. Did not murder her. Did not. Did not murder her. Who did? Lydia Lynch. What? Yes, check no. this out. At one point, apparently, they used to get it on. Nice. The Kane's fiance and Lydia Lynch. But when uh, Lydia was, or when the fiance was going to go to Kane and say, I'm going to tell him what you and I have been doing, and God help me, he will save me from your wicked ways. Lydia strangled her and then called up Mr. Murder, and they did this whole scheme to make it look like murder killed Kane's fiance. Hmm. What a bizarre twist. Yeah. What was the, what was the most bizarre thing in this book for you, Matthew? Well, the most bizarre thing for me was also the most enjoyable. It was the the changing in time frames from the 30s oh, yeah, to yeah, the yeah. 50s yeah. to the 70s to present day because it didn't even feel like the same art team. Right. You know, the, the 30s stuff was very Dick Tracy, and then the 50s stuff was kind of almost Will Eisner. And you know, the spook himself comes across as kind of a broad sort of conglomeration of the spirit and Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. But the transitions between these 30 stories that were told as though they were comic strips, you know, in the 30s, and then finding out, you know, in the regular, you know, I guess in the, the present time frame, that everything you know was wrong and all of these strange things have happened and these people got old and the heroes got old and it turns out that the, you know, the innocent damsels weren't so innocent and the kid sidekicks are no longer boys and it just... It was a really well-done way to turn all of the cliches of those old comic strips on their head. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, was, I went in not knowing what to expect in this story. Mm-hmm. And then it, by the end, I was like, whoa, what did they do here? Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. And yeah. you know, what, what I like was not just that... that sort of bouncing back and forth between art styles of the present day and stuff. But that all kind of starts to mix together towards the end to where mm-hmm. there are, um, there's stuff close to the end of the book where it's actually jumping back and forth from panel to panel. Right. When they're, when they're doing a memory, it's, it's all pretty, you know, artistically speaking, it's all really solid. Um, you know, I think that you can probably read this book through and look at uh, Lydia or uh, Gould or almost any character and see their arc. And each of these arcs are actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. Obviously, especially uh, the spook, you know, who goes from two-fisted detective to old man, basically to monster. He has a stroke. Yeah, yeah. And around, you know, as as he starts basically totally losing his grip on what's happening. Right. And so he's running around trying to shoot people. And he's got, like, one giant bloodshot eye. And right. his, his, you know, mouth is paralyzed. So he's got, like, this weird, like, rictus grin going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then back to sort of being actually, you know, the end of that arc is him finally becoming a normal person. Right. You know, not, not having being, to worry yeah, about that exactly. one case he couldn't yeah, solve. Yeah, exactly. Just finally getting that giant weight off his shoulders. Yeah. 
It, it would, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of good character development. And what's interesting, in, in, if you read this multiple times and you go into the part where they're doing the flashbacks, there's actually little clues as to who the villainess is or who the, who the real mm-hmm. bad guy is in this thing in the flashbacks if you pay attention uh, to it. And I thought it was just really a, a, an interesting read as far as story and character development goes, even though it's presented as a Sunday comic you know, it's nine panels, or maybe it's a daily strip that you're looking at mm-hmm. three daily strips per page. Um, but it's it's well handled in how they're telling that story in these one-page chunks that then mm-hmm. carry on and creates a, a very rich uh, environment of Big City or whatever this uh, town is called. And it's a fast read too. It really was. It's, it's like, not like 200 a, some pages. Yeah, it's not like a oh gosh, you know, there wasn't anything there fast read. It was wow, I'm, you know, I'm going to go through this it was very clean storytelling, very quick, and they got a lot. They packed a lot of punch in what 100 and I don't know, 200 pages. I thought it was 200 pages. Oh, a 100, whole lot yeah, of 100, stuff went through. It's only 104 pages. 200 100, like, 100 quarter some size pages. pages. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, this book is printed, um, I want to say sideways. We're looking at a, a, a review copy that was given to us. Lengthwise. Um, yeah, lengthwise. So you are getting quite a bit, and it's just over 100 and some pages. But it reads very, very quickly. Um, it's written and created by Victor uh, Quinaz, Quin, Quinaz, Q-U-I-N-A-Z. Art by Brent Schoonover. Um, who's done a lot of other work. <laughs> Um, We'd like to apologize to the creators for pronouncing their names really, really weirdly. Yeah, that's okay. That's what they get for having weird names, says the man with the weird name. Yeah, yeah, Schleicher, how dare they? Schleicher. <laughs> I was trying to see what, what other stuff Schle- Brent has done. Um, ba, ba, ba. I know, I know I'd be that- interested in looking at other stuff he's done, because this is really layered. This is really well. I, I was going to say, story. I'm pretty sure he's done some a lot of stuff with Marvel, um, and I'm pretty sure he's done some stuff with um, Marvel. Yeah. So. Yeah, see. Yeah, Marvel. saying it's Marvel. Yeah. So shut up. It worked for Marvel, and also for Marvel. See, shut up, Berserko. <laughs> um, but the art, yeah, especially when you're just diving back and forth from the present. You know, when I first opened this. And saw all the golden agey kind of art done in the style of really bad golden age art. I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be really well, rough to get to." And then it jumps that's forward. Not bad golden age art. That's, no, it's that's not. Chester Ghoul. Yeah, yeah. But then when you jump forward to uh, the modern day, and it's like all of a sudden the colors change, and you get more mm-hmm. depth in the art. It's just very well done, and then uh, you can see the you can see the character. You know, that's the other thing that's nice, too. You can see the young uh, Kane, mm-hmm. the young Spook, looks very much like the old Spook, but he's old. He's just right, aged. Right. And even, I mean, even the villains, even Mr. Murder, I like how how he changes over time. And at one point when he's trying to escape, it's a big plot story in one of the Golden Age titles where these birds claw at his eyes. And so he's got these big scars that run down the length of his face mm-hmm. to this point later on in the book where Mr. Murder or not, sorry, yeah, uh, Kane is sitting in a cafe, and this old man comes up to him and says, oh, I'm just a big fan of yours, and Kane's thinking, oh, he must have been a fan of mine 
from when I was a cop and heard about me, sometimes this happens and sits down and the guy buys him a drink and uh, buys him coffee and they have a good long conversation for a couple of hours. And then the guy gets up and walks off. And it's only then that Kane realizes, oh, my God, that was Mr. Murder. And he just was nice to me and I was pleasant to him. Mm -hmm. uh, what, a, you know, what have I become kind of thing? And uh, it, it was really kind of one of those great character moments. Um, likewise, when he discovers that Lydia Lynch has been playing people all along, um, and then he goes into that berserker rage that, you know, brought on by a stroke or leads up to a stroke. Uh, it's really good. What else? What did, what didn't you like Rodrigo? Um, what didn't I like? I, you know, this is not the sort of story that I'm necessarily all that into. I mean, you know, for the type of story it is, it was pretty solid. You know, there were there there's a handful of twists that you really don't see coming. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I I like noir, but there's just something about this story that I got from the beginning to the end and I was like, well, that was interesting. That I sure wasn't expecting that, but I wasn't too uh too affected by it. Also, I thought some of the stuff was kind of confusing. Like I don't entirely know why South Pacific is in this. Uh because the the musical score right. that they sing, they're covering the explosions getting them into the bank by the musical score. Some beats, right, yeah. big beats in the music right, are right. when they're supposed to set off yeah. the explosions. So I guess wash that man right out of my hair has a big moment where you can set off explosions right. and no one Kablam. Yeah. I think it was Bally High that they were singing when the explosions were going. Well, there was a there was there's a, an explosion cuz even cuz they show you the whole play mm -hmm. and then they overlay the explosions over them so you can see where it's happening. Mhm. Mm it's a I great, you know, like it's that. yeah, it's kind of a great little um um, montage. you know, yeah, montage breaking the bank kind of uh, gimmick that you might expect from. I don't know what was that one with the uh, crooks who were trying to rent a room from some old lady and dig their way into the casino. Oh, disorganized crime. No, I don't think it was disorganized crime. It had Tom Hanks in with it, with like Fred Gwynn in it. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of. Oh, had I'm Tom thinking Hanks the er, the first time. Okay. What didn't you like, Matthew? Honestly, really isn't anything that I didn't like about this. I liked this book from top to bottom. I liked it as, you know, a, a reference to the old noir crime strips. And I liked it as a big Dick Tracy riff. And I liked it, you know, as an attempt to take a Dick Tracy-like character mm -hmm. who hasn't aged over the last 85 freaking years and age him somewhat realistically i i would hardly call the story as it played out realistic but you know at least an attempt to put some realism and some depth in there i like this book i was surprised at how much i liked this book because you know it it, it was really kind of a distillation of what i really liked about you know dick tracy and reading the old spirit sections and mm -hmm. all of that weird kind of two-fisted justice guy and I found it, you know, very Batman when he's like, I had a stroke last night because yeah. I couldn't armor my head, yeah. you know. 
I love that bit where he has a stroke, gets out of bed, solves a murder anyway. You know, all of that really worked for me. I felt like what sold it, even though the art was wonderful, the art was really, really, you know, transitional, and the art had very different styles to it, real versatility to the art. The fact that the story was so human-oriented and so humanistic. I mean, the spook was, is, I guess, a character where you look at it and you're like, yeah, I guess I never really thought about how much of a jerk you would be if you actually acted like that mm-hmm. every day for the rest of your life. You know, mm-hmm. It kind of had that moment of Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino where you're like, yeah, that's what we need is a, is a two-fisted racist. Oh. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, yeah. you take it to its natural logical extreme and we get to the end. It had little bits of, you know, there was a Chinatown kind of vibe going through it. He's my daughter. He's my brother's daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't even... You know, I I liked everything about this book. Yeah, I did too. I really found myself very surprised in it. It wasn't a story I was expecting. Uh, by the time we got to the end, I thought it was just going to be a straightforward, you know, murder mystery. And it turned into a very noir detective tale from bygone era that I thought was done really well. Um, this, though, I, as Rodrigo said, probably isn't for everybody. Mm. Uh, it is a new book that is out from Archaea. Uh, I think it was just released in the last week or so, last two weeks, I want to say, definitely within the last month. And you can go check that out. Um, but I'm going to say, give it a borrow. Borrow this from somebody first to see if you like it and if you want to own it. I don't think this is something that you have to rush out and buy. Um, I think if you're into noir, then you need to get on in there and get this. Um if you have some amount of nostalgia for old school comic strips, maybe also get this. Mm, yeah. Other than that, yeah, give it a read if somebody has it. If you see it around, flip through it and see if you're interested. Um, I think that this up- appeals to a very specific or pro- probably to three very specific <laughs> groups of people, yeah. which gives it a broader base. But if you're outside of all three of those groups, you might not enjoy it as much. Matthew, final word. I say read it. I say get it. I say read it. And, you know, if you don't like it, you're an enemy of joy. (laughs) The book is out now from Archaea Entertainment. The book is called Mr. Murder is Dead. And uh, you can check it out there. And I think uh, pretty much that wraps it up for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and being part of the complete Major Spoilers experience. Although I don't think you tuned in. Probably downloaded. Down-tuned it. Yeah, you down-tuned it. Next week, oh my and gosh! Feel free to make your own uh, suicide or, or schoolhouse rock <laughs> mashups with Mister Murder because uh, Mister Murder is the subject of the comic. Yes. Next week, Matthew, if you have not started, you better get started now. Like right now, like like two hours ago, right now, because we're going to be taking a look at the complete bone from Jeff Smith. Why? Well, yeah. first of all, I think we're going to punish ourselves. We're completely boned. <laughs> And we know that you love comics and pop culture, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers, and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. 
If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine bee In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011 The Lady Killers <laughs>